Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. This podcast is sponsored by TheraWorks Relief. Many of you get sore, achy legs from standing all day or get asked about painful foot and leg cramps. If so, you're going to want to hear about TheraWorks Relief, a clinically proven topical foam that prevents and relieves muscle cramps and soreness. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. All right, so today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Joe Muha is the Corporate Counsel and Director of Pharmacy Compliance for Discount Drug Mart. With over 30 years of retail experience, he has an unparalleled background in law compliance, purchasing, negotiation, business development, and team building. Joe has extensive relationships with pharmaceutical executive leadership in the compliance, manufacturing, and sales spaces. And with a Juris Doctor, Pharmacy Bachelor, and Master's of Business Administration degrees, coupled with a Master of Legal Letters degree in Intellectual Property Law, Joe is certainly a formidable addition to any team. He is admitted to the Ohio Bar as a corporate counsel, a licensed attorney in Michigan, and Federal District of Western Michigan, and is admitted to the Supreme Court of the United States Bar, and is a licensed pharmacist in five states. Joe, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you, Hillary. I appreciate that. In in addition to that, I'm a a husband and a father of a 14-year-old uh, freshman in high school. So uh, life's pretty good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro or share a little bit more about your personal life. Yeah, thank you. Um, so uh, I went to pharmacy school a long time ago, um, graduated from Duquesne University in Pittsburgh back in 1990. Um, started off a career in retail pharmacy and, and rose through the ranks with Walmart, uh, going to Bentonville, Arkansas in their corporate office, uh, where I served Walmart in a, in a variety of capacities. Um, Walmart made available to me the opportunity to get an MBA. Uh, so I seized that opportunity and, uh, and, and got my MBA, uh, graduating first in my class, uh, fortunately enough. Um, yeah, then, um. Uh, I decided that it would make sense to put the MBA and the pharmacy degree together and worked for Meyer, uh, which is a, a regional uh, supercenter chain out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, where I was a prescription drug buyer for them. Uh, at that time, I ran into a, a guy just out of the blue, uh, Steve Doolin, who's a, a very dear friend of mine now, um, who talked to me about going to law school. And that was something I'd wanted to do uh, even while in pharmacy school. And I said, you know, yeah, uh, I thought this is a really interesting pairing of the two, uh, because as you know, pharmacy is so regulated and continues to be regulated. Uh, and if you know more about the law, you can understand those regulations. And, and Steve mentioned to me that uh, there was a place I could go in, in Western Michigan to get a law degree on nights and weekends and not have to quit my job full time, which was important to me being married, having a wife and a daughter, it's important to be able to, to provide, uh, both of us providing for our daughter. Um, and I was able to go to law school on an 
uh, scholarship, graduated in the top 11% of my class, and went on and got a postdoctorate master's in intellectual property law. So that kind of in a nutshell is, is the, the good fortune and, and uh, luck that I've had to, to get where I am today. Well, that is interesting. So, but you, I, I would imagine, I don't know if you've taken strength finders or not, but, um, I too love learning that learner is one of my strengths. And so I'm currently working on my MBA right now and doing that while working full time. So that of course is very important to me. I don't see a law school in the future, but, um, you know, who knows? It's always always good to keep keep learning. Well, that's great. And so Joe, you also are, um, serving as an adjunct professor as well, in addition to your, um, uh, you know, full time at as a corporate counsel for Discount Drug Mart, right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, so I've taught healthcare law and Second Amendment law, a little bit different, uh, at the University of Akron um, to law students, so future attorneys, uh, understanding things like HIPAA, patient privacy, Ohio's privacy laws, and then shifting gears. A passion of mine outside of work is the Second Amendment. And uh, I'm a certified NRA basic pistol instructor as well. All right. Very good. Um, So Joe, what about the intellectual property piece? Are you pulling that in now? I know that, um, you know, in your background, you mentioned some experience with some of the pharmaceutical companies. Um, Do you use that in your role with with Discount Drug Mart or, or kind of just share a little bit more about, about that yeah, area. That's a great question. So um, when I was going to law school, my intent was to work for a pharmaceutical company. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you probably know, most of those are located in uh, New Jersey area. Sure. And that really wasn't in the cards for my family and I. Um, so I, I have kind of limited my intellectual property application of the law, but it does come into play when we're dealing with trademarks uh, Discount Drug Mart owns trademarks, um, okay. corporate dress, trade secrets, that type of thing. And when we're interacting with uh, various manufacturers and vendor partners of ours, we want to make sure that uh, we have considerations for that in our in our business dealings. So it's come in handy, but in a much different way uh, than I thought. Uh, and I've actually applied for and I'm awaiting to hear approval on my first patent. Um, so all right. Um, yeah, hopefully I'll have that back very shortly. So we're looking forward to that. That's awesome. <laughs> well, very, very interesting. And um, so you also are involved in some committee work and, and with professional associations as well, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So so you know how the profession of pharmacy has evolved. Um, uh, back when I graduated, we were talking about this this concept of patient counseling, um, uh, which has grown tremendously, obviously, and it's a, an integral part of, of what we do. And, and I guess it's always been a part of what pharmacists do. We just didn't didn't call it that back then. Um, so now, obviously, that's that's required by, by various various rules uh, and laws and, and acts uh, within states. Um, but the profession's changing. I mean, we do immunizations now, as you well know. In the state of Ohio, we're able to administer some long-acting drugs. Um, you know, in Michigan, where I'm also licensed, uh, we were able to, under a protocol, administer a test and determine if a patient had the flu or strep 
and under that same protocol, uh, immediately provide the patient with an antibiotic or an antiviral. Uh, we can't do that in Ohio right now. We think that's something that, that the board ought to look at and consider. And so working with the Ohio Pharmacists Association and speaking to our elected officials, uh, we believe that's something that uh, pharmacists can bend the cost curve, provide access, and, and as you know, prevent the spread of, a, of the disease, whether it's flu or strep, uh, very rapidly. Uh, people will see their pharmacist uh, for a nominal fee uh, as opposed to going to a doctor's office and getting a prescription and, and either taking that to their pharmacy or having it e-prescribed, making a second trip there, picking up the antiviral, picking up the antibiotic, and then taking it. Why not just do that all under under one trip, or as, or as we say at Drug Mart, and one of our our, uh, our our lines is, one of the lines we use in our advertising is, we save you the runaround. Well, literally, pharmacy can do that uh, mm -hmm. in the state of Michigan. We can't do that in Ohio today. We need to get that changed. Yeah. Well, if you're able to do that in Ohio, come teach us in Tennessee. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Ohio, uh, I, I love getting to see how pharmacy practice is very different, uh, from state Whoa. to state. Whoa. Um, <laughs> I know you're licensed in five states and I, I have 11 licenses still, wow. um, from back in and some mail order days. Um, so yeah, I, I, it is interesting just to see and, and to kind of take those learnings from Michigan and, and, you know, use that in, in Ohio and, and Tennessee has some really great work that we've done here as well. But, um, yeah, just, just enjoying seeing the, the advancement of, of pharmacy. Yeah, um, you're right. It's, if, if you look at things, uh, in, in various States, there's, uh, you know, states like Georgia mandate that pharmacies get credit for uh, open bottles uh, with their wholesaler or with their drug distributor. Not all states follow that. Uh, North Dakota uh, did some interesting things with clawbacks that are being challenged in court right now. Uh, the state of Pennsylvania requires a, a pharmacist to run their uh, medical marijuana dispensaries, whereas in Ohio, a pharmacist cannot be a part of that. So it's and there's a hodgepodge of activity going around. And that's really, I think, what the intent of the founders was, right? To let each state be its own uh, experiment and figure out what works best and, and replicate that. Hey, listeners, I wanted to remind you about the residency prep giveaway that is available uh, with the Your Financial Pharmacist group and TLDR. So last year, nearly 50% of applicants for the ASHP resident matching program did not match and the odds will likely be similar or worse this year. So to stand a chance, you need to rise above the pack, but don't worry, we've got your back. So the pharmacy advisory group residency bootcamp course, which is available at residencybootcamp.teachable.com is one of the giveaway prizes. And if you head over to www.yourfinancialpharmacist.com slash giveaway, you'll find all of the different residency prep options available and enter for your chance to win one of the five prizes. Again, the landing page is www.yourfinancialpharmacist.com slash giveaway, and you will be entered to win and get uh, one of the pharmacy advisory groups um, boot camp courses, which is available at, at Teachable. You can head over to Residency Boot Camp 
www.teachable.com and sign up. It's only $30 and there are about three hours worth of modules. You can go at your own pace, get ready for the ASHP mid-year, how to get together your packet and interview tips, uh, lots of good information there. So be sure to check it out. Thanks. Yeah. Um, we're, we're definitely seeing Tennessee look at that with some of the, um, uh, block grants for Medicaid that they're proposing right. to get to do that. Great so it will be interesting. Yeah. To follow. Um, all right. So Joe, let's definitely get into some of the different, uh, regulatory issues that are affecting retail pharmacy. So you did mention uh, the marijuana dispensaries. So let's talk about CBD. Um, now, the the 2018 Farm Bill did pass yep. um, that being legalized mm-hmm. uh, in all 50 states. But how are you seeing retail pharmacies um adopt that and are there challenges with um them wanting to put that in their stores or or what are you seeing yeah that's that's a tough one so you're right the 28 2018 farm bill made it legal federally but but talking about those differences in states um i believe it's iowa still makes uh hemp uh illegal within that state um ohio it was illegal in ohio until governor dewine signed our own version of the farm bill, making CBD products legal just in 2019. Uh, So prior to that, in Ohio, we couldn't carry CBD. Um, That's not to say we didn't see it at some retail establishments. Um, But the Board of Pharmacy said, no, you can't do that. And and folks were still doing it. Now, we've taken a a cautious approach as I think, uh, I don't want to speak for all the other chain pharmacies, but my counterparts in chain pharmacies that I speak with, have read the regulations and and believe that oral ingestible CBD products are still impermissible. Uh, the FDA in December of 2018 said that it is unlawful to introduce ingestible CBD products into interstate commerce. Um, I guess you could interpret that in a way that if it was produced and manufactured entirely within a state, that would be intrastate commerce. Um, we are a fairly conservative family-owned company and I think most other retailers look at it this way as well, um, uh, that, that ingestible CBD product, because Epidiolex is on the market, would require a drug pathway, and therefore we should not carry it. So that means topicals are permissible. Um, if you've been following what the FTC, FDA has been doing, um, they are, are looking at claims that are being made for CBD products and saying that's impermissible. Because when you make a claim, this treats a headache, this relieves muscle pain, um, that becomes a medicine. You've made a health claim associated with the product. And as you know, that requires testing to be both safe and effective. So um, we believe topical products are okay. Um, we believe if there's no health claim associated with it, it's also okay. Um, not required under any rules that I've seen. Uh, we think that a big marijuana leaf or a, a, a hemp leaf or I even had a buyer try telling me jokingly that it was actually a Buckeye um, on a product (laughs) is something that that we don't want in our stores. Uh, We've also made a decision that we're going to age restrict this product, even though there's no requirement for that. So I think we're taking a cautious approach until the federal government says, here's the pathway. 
Uh, I believe that there's political pressure right now, especially coming out of Kentucky. Uh, Mitch McConnell and, and Rand Paul have been uh, at the forefront of this, trying to get the FDA to move. Uh, Kentucky is a very large producer of hemp. Um, and so I think there's pressure on the FDA to get an oral pathway. Once that happens, I predict that there will be an explosion of products on the marketplace. If you look at the landscape, the big uh, CPG product companies, uh, big beverage manufacturers have invested millions and billions into CBD. Um, so I don't think it'll, long, it'll be long before you see your favorite brand of toothpaste with CBD, um, shampoos with CBD. Um, kind of jokingly, I've heard someone say that when you see a, a, your favorite snacks with CBD, you'll truly have one-stop shopping. Um, but, but, but as you know, CBD is non-psychoactive. Uh, it has to contain less than 0.3% THC, which is the, the psychoactive component of, of marijuana in order to be considered hemp on the federal level. Um, but no health claims still. Um, I think that'll be interesting to see how that all, all pans out. And there's lawsuits already working their way through the courts where people have claimed that they tested positive on a drug test. And the product said no THC, or the product said no THC, and sure enough, it had 0. 0.0 whatever percent THC. Uh, so the same rules apply. Uh, FTC will get involved for false claims and fraud and those types of things. No different than if you bought a can of your favorite beverage and it said no caffeine, and we tested it, and sure enough, it had caffeine. That's misleading. That's fraud. That's that's false advertising. Right. Yes. Wow. Well, I'm, I know that your company is certainly happy to have you on board to help navigate all of the different complexities. Um, so w- what are some of the other big issues that are, that you're facing right now? Um, I know, you know, you've, we've got USP and, and DSCSA and, and e-cigarettes. What, what yeah. are, what's keeping you up at night? So. <laughs> Well, I, I think all of those are are, are things that make uh, a corporate counsel take notice. Um, so you touched on a few e-cigarettes, right? The the, the headlines are are certainly damning, um, but if you scratch below the surface, from what I've seen, um, it, it appears that the the actual deaths and the damage are caused by counterfeit pods. So not those that are produced by reputable companies. Um, we're seeing uh, folks that aren't selling from the reputable manufacturers closing at a rapid rate in the state of Ohio. Uh, so the mom and pops that are mixing their own products, and I'm sure all of them are doing things just fine, um, uh, they tend to be closing at a rapid rate. Uh, the big manufacturers have tested their product. The problems seem to stem around THC, which I'm not aware of any of the the reputable manufacturers putting THC into their pods, and vitamin E acetate. And and you're familiar as a pharmacist with vitamin E acetate. Uh, That coats the lungs. That's what's creating the problems. Um, And the big manufacturers aren't putting that into their products. That's harmful if ingested. So I think there's going to be a shakeout. I think there will be uh, an opportunity for the reputable manufacturers to talk about their product and what separates it from others. And I think there's a place in the market for e-cigarettes. I don't know how you feel about this as a pharmacist, but if I had someone talk to me and say, hey, I've tried to quit smoking, 
I've tried the patches. I've tried the gum. I've tried quitting cold turkey. I've tried the the uh, the Zybans and what have you, and none of it seems to work. I can't quit. Uh, I don't know if a pharmacist would feel comfortable saying, "Look, here's a product that that doesn't contain tar, um, contains, I believe, from what I've read, less carbon monoxide." Um, is it an alternative for you? And I can't call it safer. I don't think we know enough to say it's safer. But is that an option for a patient? Um, perhaps. Perhaps. Um, I think adults are going to continue. You know, it's interesting to see the, the places that have banned the sale of, of e-cigarettes but still carry cigars and cigarettes. Um, that strikes me as interesting. Hmm. Um, and some places said we're not going to carry flavored to this or that, yet they carry flavored alcohol, they carry flavored cigars and flavored pipe tobacco and flavored uh, snuff or, or chewing tobacco. So I think that's interesting, right? We know cigarettes are harmful, uh, but we also know adults have the ability to make choices. Um, so I think that's tough as a pharmacist. How do you reconcile those two? Sure. Um, yeah. So I think that's, that's one thing that's interesting. Um, you mentioned USP 800, um, different states are handling this different ways. Ohio has pretty much, uh, not pretty much Ohio has come out and said that, uh, we're going to restrict our enforcement of USP 800 to, uh, chemotherapy drugs that are compounded. That's a very narrow application. Other states said we're taking USP 800 and everything in it, anything you can touch. And I think that presents challenges to to pharmacies on, uh, especially pharmacies that operate in multiple states, how do you uh, follow up on this? What costs does that add? Um, and and how do you how do you deal with that with different states in enforcing it different ways? Um, I think that's very interesting. I, I think Ohio's taken a a pretty conservative approach. I think they've done the board has done an outstanding job in listening to pharmacy and pharmacists. Um, as to what this uh, guidance from USP means. U USP is not a government body. Uh, they're, they're an outside group that, that sets standards, and, and I think states have to decide how they want to adopt these. And I think Ohio's made a very prudent decision with respect to that. Speaking of education, are you aware of the 2014 drug disposal of controlled substances ruling that regards safe disposal of unused medications? Well, we're lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer ready-to-use chemical drug disposal systems are safe, easy, and affordable products, which protect the environment and can save thousands in fines. To get more information on products, training, and medication waste, compliance, check out www.rxdestroyer.com slash talk to your pharmacist. Yeah. So Joe, let's talk a little bit about um, the retail pharmacy landscape. So we're seeing a lot of the, the big chains that are, you know, a lot of things that are happening um, with, with cutting hours and, and you've got a lot of pressures with um, reimbursements and things. What what do you see or what, what is maybe Discount Drug Mart doing to um, look to the future and, and to, um, you know, prepare and, um, you know, look at other opportunities in that 
marketplace. Yeah. So I think you bring up a, another good point. Um, the number of pharmacy schools has exploded since when my wife and I graduated from pharmacy school. Um, uh, and then the number of pharmacies um, has grown, but not at the pace that the number of graduates have come out. And then there's been mergers and consolidations. So what we're looking at at Discount Drug Mart is what can pharmacists do beyond mere dispensing, right? Not to say that dispensing isn't important. It's an extremely important function of what pharmacists do. Um, we are that final check. We're the last line of safety for a patient. Um, but we've really embraced MTM. Uh, we believe that vaccinations are something that we, we really do a great job on. Um, and I think these long-acting injectables are going to become a bigger piece of what we do. We do off-site clinics. Uh, we will come to your place of business and do a flu clinic um, because we think that's important um, to help prevent the spread of, of the flu. Um, and those have been embraced by the business communities uh, here in Ohio. Um, but long term, I think we've got to look to, to these collaborative practice things we discussed earlier, uh, like strep, like flu. Uh, why couldn't you come see your pharmacist for your health screen for your insurance? Uh, in some states, that happens. I know in Michigan, we were able to do that again. There was yeah, Michigan seems to be um, really embracing the future of pharmacy at, at a rapid pace. And I think they set a model for other states to follow. Um, you've seen some states where Oral contraceptives are available from your pharmacist. Um, I think there's some opportunities to expand the scope of our practice. One thing Ohio has done a great job on, and, and the OPA, the Ohio Pharmacist Association, was really at the forefront of this, is getting provider status for pharmacists. We're now recognized as a provider in the state. I think that's one of the first pieces of foundation that you can lay to start providing services. You know, Hillary, when you think about it, pharmacy is the only profession that's associated with a product. Uh, law, for example, we're not associated with a product. It's our cognitive services. Uh, medicine, what doctors do, they're not associated with a product. It's their cognitive services. So how do we break pharmacy into that, that same level where our pharmacists, who your, your education on, on drugs is, is second to none, um, and I feel that way about the, the professionals that work uh, in, in the in the profession of pharmacy for Drug Mart and throughout the state. Um, how do we leverage that knowledge and get pharmacists to be a, a more important part of the healthcare team? Uh, here's the diagnosis. We should be recommending the drugs. We've got to get to that point. And, and I think that change is going to happen as we see uh, pressures to, to bend the cost curve. Um, DIR fees. Um, I'm sure every retail pharmacist you talk to can't say anything nice about DIR fees. And, and I think PBMs have done a great job in making uh, lawyers not the most hated profession in the world. I think PBMs probably hold that, that title right now, and, uh, probably none too soon. Um, so there's got to be some, some pushback on, on what's happening to our profession. Uh, I, I think we're worth more than what uh, PBMs are reimbursing pharmacy for. We've got to show that value and show how we impact patients' lives. Absolutely. And and you, you bring up a, a, several good points, of course, but um, let's, let's talk about kind of what other ways could, you know, the pharmacy profession 
um, really come at this and, and, um, and kind of like show up to help, help shape where that's going. Um, any other recommendations or suggestions around that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I would encourage all of your, your pharmacist listeners and your, and your technicians that listen to your, to your podcast or, 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 or folks at large, get involved in your organizations. Um, uh, your state organizations are, are your voice, uh, in your state capitals. Um, uh, in addition to being a member of OPA and serving on some committees there, um, I serve with NACDS on various conference calls, along with many of my peers, uh, National Association of Chain Drug Stores, um, to help our voice be heard in Washington, D.C. and at the state level. Um, if you don't, a friend of mine said this today, and I wish I, I had written down who said it first, but he said, if you don't have a seat at the table, you're probably on the menu. Right. Um, and, and we've got to figure, I mean, pharmacy has been so splintered, uh, hospital, retail, clinical, academic. You don't see that in a lot of other professions. The AMA is the one voice for the medicine, for the doctors, right? The, uh, the ABA um, uh, is the voice for attorneys. Uh, what we need one, one way of getting together in, in, within our states and within you know, the, the national government to, to make our voices heard because if we don't, someone else is going to be setting up the rules. And, and I think that's, that's incumbent upon us to protect this, this wonderful profession that's, that's given all of us so much. Yeah, I agree. So, Joe, as our final question, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists who are just getting started in their career? Well, I think I would have told myself to go to school earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so you could get done with get all done your with different all degrees. Earlier. That's right. That's right. Um, and to be involved more, right? Um, you know, coming right out of school, it was, man, I got to work. I got to put, uh, I got to pay down my student loans. Uh, you know, I got to get established and, and do those types of things. But you know, I, I think if given the opportunity to do it again, I would have been more involved in, in associations and organizations. Um, there's a lot to be learned from various organizations and a, a lot that our young professionals can give to those organizations. Um, and the, the knowledge that, that I want to say the kids, and that sounds so old, but the, the young pharmacists that are coming out of school right now with their PharmDs and their rotations, they're brilliant. Um, I, they're absolutely amazing with what they know. Uh, organizations can benefit from that and not just pharmacy organizations, right? There's community organizations that, that serve uh, the most underserved in our communities. Uh, man, volunteer at one of those types of things. Get, sit on a board. Uh, I belong to the Association of Corporate Councils here in Northeast Ohio, and I get the opportunity to serve on that with a lot of uh uh, attorneys from from other organizations that aren't in pharmacy, and the the cross pollinization, what you can learn that's happening in in say the the tire industry in Akron, or the banking industry in Cleveland, uh, and they can learn from the retail industry, you know, in Medina where I work. You, you get a lot of ideas and a lot of collaboration that can occur. So get involved. Um, they're looking for educated people. And, and who better than a pharmacist to be the face of that board? 
I would encourage it. Yeah. 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 Such great advice. Man, well, Joe, it has been such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.